It's gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Lift off. on Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it. Say my first rodeo. To the basket, turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook house the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game and he hits it. The corner, PJ Tucker. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. Three hundred and two combined points across. 53 minutes of NBA action, and your Houston Rockets come away with the W. What's up, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin. You can catch me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And of course, you can also find our show on Twitter at Locked on Rockets. And hey, if you appreciate what we do here, do me a huge favor. Hit the subscribe button, drop us some stars, leave us a review, and share the podcast on your social media. I would sincerely appreciate it. The Rockets managed to escape, narrowly escape, with the W, 153-149 against the Dallas Mavericks in the very first of their eight seeding games in the Orlando Disney bubble. And man, what a game this was. Look, I just, this was such an up and down game where... I just, first off, we can start off with the explosive first frame from James Harden. 23 points in the very first quarter. That very final, oh, pardon me. That very final triple that he nailed in the first quarter put him just past Calvin Murphy as the number two all-time leading scorer for the Houston Rockets franchise. He's got about another 9,000 points to go to catch up to the great Hakeem Olajuwon. Now, here's the thing. Um, the way that James Harden's playing, he might be able to average those 9,000 points over the next eight games. No, I'm kidding. Um, but seriously, the man was on a mission, and he was a bit quiet in the second and third quarters because of the constant double teaming because trying to defer to his teammates but man he absolutely picked it up in the fourth frame and in overtime and kind of you know took over the game and I'll I'll talk about that more in just a minute credit to the Mavericks like legitimately they were unconscious from behind the three-point line they couldn't miss and now it's you know my thing is there were some decent contests here and there to start the game but I feel like just As the game developed, especially in the second and third quarters, the defensive rotations were just really rough. There were plenty of times that guys were getting wide open. I'm talking like nobody within five, six feet of them. Like like ball lands in the corner or on the wing, and there's not even a guy attempting to rotate out to try and contest the shot. And those were some really bad defensive rotations by the Rockets. And I'm sure you watching the game, you noticed it. You you saw how, how far behind they were, how much they were trailing, and I legitimately didn't know if they had enough in the tank defensively to slow down the Mavericks, because it's important to remember, the Rockets are an explosive offensive team. Yes, the one team that's more potent offensively than they are, the Dallas Mavericks. So, looking at these two offensive juggernauts, who are very similar on the defensive side of the ball, where the Rockets are actually a slightly better defensive team per 100 possessions than the Dallas Mavericks are... I didn't know if they could actually slow them down, and they were just 
shooting so well from behind the arc. And, I mean, Trey Burke turning into, you know, prime Ray Allen, you know, just it's it was unbelievable to see to see Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke combine for 13 of 18 from behind the arc. You know, yeah, Seth Curry had a down game. You know, yeah, Luca struggled a bit from behind the three-point line, going only one of nine, uh, like a certain somebody else going one of nine, who we'll get to in just a moment. But overall, they had some guys really step up for their team, uh, specifically Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, two guys who I guess, yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably viewed as more of like the third wheel in that offense behind Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. But still, for him to, you know, go off to the tune of five of eight made threes from downtown, seven of seven from the free throw line, 24 points overall, you know, just... I don't think anybody was really expecting that level of explosiveness from him. And the Rockets didn't help anything by giving the Mavericks consistently wide-open looks. So I don't want to harp. Well, no, I do want to harp. Because this is, you know, the defense is something that has to get better. And they cannot expect to outscore their opponents every single time out. Like, they can't, sorry. It's basketball, you have to outscore. Anyways, you guys know what I mean. You cannot solely rely on your offense. And that's why the seven, the 17-18 squad was so good is because they legitimately could win games based on their defense. And that's actually how they won this game, believe it or not. So if you look at their defensive rating from the fourth quarter through overtime, so this is the entirety of the fourth quarter as well as overtime, the Rockets posted a defensive rating of 78.9. Whereas the, and their offensive rating was still pretty sky high at 121.6. So just compare that to the entirety of the first three quarters. Let's change that up really quick. Let's take a look. What do we got here? Let's run it. And yeah, so their defensive rating <laughs> across the first three quarters was 146.9. So... You know, and their offensive rating took a slight dip too because their offensive rating is 131.7 across the first three quarters. But still, we've seen this before where when they hone in, when they really focus defensively, they can actually get the job done. And it was a little bit, I will say, it was kind of a two-part thing. It was the Mavericks losing their legs and finally, finally not actually being able to hit the insane shots they were continuously hitting through the first three quarters. Look, they're a younger team than the Rockets. They have a lot of energy. And, you know, they, they came out guns blazing through those first three quarters. And finally, they regressed a little bit to the mean in that final frame. And they didn't nail every single three-pointer that they threw up at the basket. I mean, like looking at, so from the fourth quarter on, the Mavericks managed to only shoot, do, 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 where are we at? Four of 19 from behind the arc. Whereas before that, let's rearrange the slider over here. Before that, they managed to shoot 17 of 30 for 56, 57% if you want to round all the way up from behind the arc. So the Mavericks were actually just torching the Rockets from behind the arc. And meanwhile, by during that same stretch for the first three quarters, the Rockets were actually 13 of 34 for 38.2%. So that's a respectable percentage. But when you are still being outshot by almost 20% from behind the three-point arc, you're, you're bound to probably lose a game. Like, the, the way that the Rockets were able to come back in this game is, in a way... It was almost like a 
battle or a war of attrition, and I will discuss what I mean by that in just a moment after a quick word from our friends over at my bookie. All right, now say it with me. Sports are back. Look, I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind. My bookie. My bookie is a home run, a slam dunk, a triple overtime game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. MyBookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with the start of Major League Baseball just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's absolutely easy. You bet, you win, and they pay you. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series Future Bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB Future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, discussing the Rockets' very first win in the Orlando Disney, well, first real win in the Orlando Disney bubble, 153-149 over the South Oklahoma Mavericks. And at the end of that first segment, I mentioned my, you know, little war of attrition bit. And here's my thing is, and I discussed this with, you know, on a, on a beta platform uh, just after the game for a few minutes with some other Mavericks uh, reporters and beat writers, is that it really felt like James Harden wasn't anywhere near as gassed as the other players were in that, you know, near the end of the fourth quarter slash overtime. And I think that was the case because looking at how much of the second and third quarters he was quiet for, because you know, it didn't it didn't attempt a shot, what was it, until like halfway through the third quarter or something like that. Just he kind of was a spectator for the games. Obviously, he was first off, he was the best two-way player in that game by far. James Harden's defense, as well as what he brought to the table offensively, was out of this world. I if if he could do that. Every single game, which is unrealistic, I'm not expecting that of him, he would be, you know, not regarded as like a DPOY player, but legitimately he would be viewed so differently in so many other people's eyes if he brought that level of defensive intensity to every single game. And maybe that's what we're going to get out of him in the bubble. And if that's the case, oh my goodness, I am so hyped for that. But seriously, he was, you know, multiple possessions where he would have to guard Luka and then KP, same exact possession. And he was phenomenal defensively. He was getting, you know, low. He was getting you know, he was rotating well, his lateral quickness was there, he was keeping guys in front of him. Seriously, every time Harden matched up with somebody on defense, I actually felt more comfortable with Harden guarding uh, Luka down the stretch than I did Robert Covington or P.J. Tucker because it just felt like Harden was more in tune with how Luka wanted to play, whether, you know, kind of ready for the step back if that's what he was going to pull or ready for the drives to the basket. Harden really felt like he was locked in defensively. Now, that being said... I do think that because he was just so 
I don't want to say non-existent, but because he was deferring so much in the second and third quarters, I think that allowed him, especially that third quarter stretch, where he was able to kind of rest a little bit more offensively than he, than he does in a, in a given game. So when the Mavericks stopped double-teaming him come you know the, the final frame and overtime, he was able to really take over and didn't look anywhere near as gassed as Luka and Kristaps Porzingis did. So that being said, I do think it kind of became a little bit of a war of attrition where the the Rockets just outlasted the Mavericks. They by the by the overtime stretch and by, you know, the fourth quarter, the Mavericks lost their legs, they weren't playing defense as well, and we saw what happened. You know, 4 of 19 from behind the arc for the Mavericks across those final 17 minutes. So that being said, James Harden was phenomenal both ends of the basketball court. Russell Westbrook. Ooh, okay. Um Bit of a interesting game from Russ, and I am not going to go in on him too hard because I do think that he was an absolute difference maker on the defensive side of the basketball uh, near the end of the game. And it was frustrating because there were a lot of possessions where Russ had some very needless turnovers, uh, six turnovers on the evening for Russell Westbrook to only eight assists. So a pretty rough assist-to-turnover ratio there. Uh, He was six of the nine Houston turnovers. So as a team, they really didn't turn the ball over that much, but it was more just... It was more when the turnovers occurred for Russ, like specifically as they were trying to climb back into the game in that fourth uh, fourth quarter, there was a pair of back-to-back turnovers by Russ where it was just very painful to see as they're trying to climb back into this game. Now, overall though, you know, an interesting evening for him, just 13 of 30 from the floor, one of three from behind the three-point arc, four of eight from the free throw line. Did snag 11 rebounds, did dish out 8 assists. He was sitting on 5 personal fouls, as was P.J. Tucker, as was James Harden, as was Jeff Green. And Ben McLemore actually fouled out with 6 personal fouls. So, a lot of fouling going on in this one for the Rockets. And a lot of that had to do with poor defensive rotations early on to where... You know, if, if somebody ha- if there's a blown defensive coverage, then to prevent just an easy two at the basket, you're going to have to foul the guy driving to the rim. And we saw that a bit defensively. And that's why I say this is a complicated one for Russ, because there were multiple points in this game where Russ got lost defensively or miscommunicated with somebody else uh, on a switch and just you know, blown defensive coverages leading to wide open shooters or, you know, a wide open lane to the rim, which either converted into free throws or converted into a bucket at the rim, or the worst of all of those would be a kick out to a wide open three point shooter as the Rockets were scrambling around defensively. And, you know, after rewatching a little bit of the game, you know, parts here and there, that's what happens so often is it's just, you know, guys not staying home on their, on their shooters because of the initial lack of, uh, or the the inability to contain the initial penetration by the Mavericks, or just a, a you know uh, being beat right off the dribble by not paying attention by ball watching, you know get a crisp pass off to another player, then he takes off to the basket. Whatever it is, the Rockets' rotations were just really rough, and Westbrook was a part of that for the first three quarters. Now I will say his energy and his activity and his monitoring of the passing lanes through that fourth quarter and especially the overtime was instrumental because he was so active. You know, Russell Westbrook is a guy whose motor does not quit. And again, playing into the whole war of attrition thing, Russ is going to go 110% when he's on the court every minute that he's on the court. And that is so 
admirable that he doesn't take a single playoff that he, you know, yes, he, he ball watches a little bit defensively, but I don't equate that to taking plays off. I equate that to just bad defensive IQ at times from Russ. That's not him taking plays off. He's still explosive and energetic every moment that he's on the court. So I just think that defense is, you know, at times he's a little lost or starts playing free safety a little bit, looking for rebounds, whatever. That being said, he had some really serious deflections in that overtime period, Um, you know, just interrupting passes, just being energetic, securing rebounds, that kind of thing. And really, everybody's going to point to James Harden for this W, you know, for the 49 points for the defense that he did play. But Russ was, you know... He he had a very he had a very clandestine thirty one points. You know, you look up and Harden's got forty nine, and it's pre- it was a pretty quiet forty nine because he had twenty three. And then you blink, and the second, third, and fourth quarters are you know he was so quiet in those quarters you wouldn't have expected him to put up another twenty six points basically over the you know the final fourth quarter in overtime, which is roughly what he did because he was. Not held scoreless, I don't want to say. I don't have those numbers directly in front of me. But he did not score the Rock that much in the second and third quarters. Russell Westbrook, same thing. He had 30 shot attempts. Didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like he took 30 shot attempts. And it didn't feel like he scored 31 points. It also didn't feel like Daniel House Jr. had 20 points alongside those guys. He, He was the only other starter that really showed up, I feel like, in the in the offensive scheme because Robert Covington and we'll get we'll talk about him in just a second because there's still plenty more to talk about from this game. But Daniel House Jr. had some really great three point shots and he is absolutely playing like a guy who does not want to lose this starting position when Eric Gordon does come back. And personally, he should have never lost the starting position. Daniel House Jr. is a better fit and meshes better with James Harden and Westbrook in the starting lineup than Eric Gordon does. And I'm sorry, if you want to worry about the defensive rotations, if you don't want Eric Gordon playing the final 30 minutes out of 36 possible minutes in the game, then guess what? You can pull House at the eight-minute mark or something and insert Eric Gordon, you know, or pull Westbrook a little bit earlier, you know, whatever you need to do. But Daniel House Jr. belongs in that starting lineup, and I will absolutely stick to that, uh, stick to that take for the remainder of this season. And if Eric Gordon comes back and takes that starting spot again, unless he plays like the lights-out Eric Gordon that we know he can play as, then I will be disappointed in Mike D'Antoni. So I've already mentioned him a couple times and said we'll get back to him later. Robert Covington, Rocco. Man, first off, that tip-in. So th- none of this would have been possible had he not orchestrated that, that tip-in. <clears throat> oh, pardon me. I'm way off today with my coughing. I apologize about that. So there was a bit of confusion on social media about whether or not Harden intentionally missed the free throw. He did not intentionally miss that free throw at the end of regulation. He was attempting to make the free throw. However, Robert Covington explained to P.J. Tucker how he wanted to potentially retrieve the rebound if Harden were to miss. So... Robert Covington does a, if you go back and watch the play, he kind of juts in just a bit and then does an arm swipe or swing motion to flip his way around, uh, I think it was Maxi Kleba at that point, and be in front of him for the potential rebound off of the right side of the basket. But because of the way that James Harden missed it and because of the way that the ball rimmed in and out, Robert Covington was able to then take one or two steps over to the left side of the basket and then jump up and get the tip in as the ball was rimming out. And P.J. Tucker, I guess, did exactly what he was supposed to do 
in his role was to, I guess, really dive directly into the paint, you know, in front of those three Mavericks players so that they would have to worry about boxing him out. So instead of PJ and Robert both kind of, you know, trying to uh, arm swing past their guy and get in further towards the baseline, PJ dove into the paint directly so that the Mavericks were more worried about him while Rocco kind of, you know, just very discreetly shifted to the outside towards the baseline of the, you know, group of rebounders there. And it worked out. He was able to get the put back, tie the game up at 139 and push it to overtime. So no, it wasn't an intentional miss by Harden. He did call it a perfect miss in post game, which I think is hilarious. So Robert Covington up to that point, you know, had missed every single three pointer that he had taken And look, it was a really all-around rough game from Robert Covington. I was not very impressed uh, with just his play through the first, um, really through the first three quarters. It felt like defensively he wasn't where he needed to be at times. Not like defensive breakdowns, but more specifically just... mm, More specifically, it was more like it felt that he... What am I trying to say here? It was more just that maybe his lateral quickness wasn't quite where it needed to be. And for a guy that you expect to be one of your two like really elite defenders alongside P.J. Tucker, it felt like there were a lot of points where he was getting beaten by Luka Doncic off the dribble or not quite where he needed to be with his rotations. And he did kind of pick that up towards the end. I remember it was the, it was the moment where he got the seismic block on Kristaps Porzingis that I thought, okay, all right, this is the Robert Covington that we need more of, the rim protection, the rotations, and then from that point on, it really felt like he was a bit more tuned in with everything that was going on um, over the over the final, you know, basically 17, 15 minutes of the game, more or less, and then he he also finally hit his, his first three-pointer of the game in overtime, and I had to jokingly, <clears throat> I had to make some fun, poke some fun at Trevor Ariza on social media, so I apologize about that. But seriously, you know, Robert Covington more than made up for, you know, his uh, less than stellar play throughout the first 36 or so minutes by getting that tip in at the end of regulation, as well as hitting a very crucial three-pointer in overtime to kind of maintain the lead to, to give the Rockets space to walk away with the W in this one. So coming up, we'll have final thoughts on this one. But first, did you know that you can start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes? Now, Axios Today host Nyla Boudou and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world in this little daily 10-minute podcast that you can listen to right after or potentially before you listen to this one. And it's really great. I've been subscribed to their newsletter for a while, and now I'm starting to listen to their little 10-minute daily news podcast. It's really phenomenal. It's a great way to start your day off, and I highly suggest you guys checking it out. And we are back in here. Final segment at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Discussing the Rockets' very first win, 153-149 in the Disney bubble against the Orlando Mavericks. And look, so I've hit on Harden, I've hit on Westbrook, hit on Daniel House Jr., talked Robert Covington, P.J. Tucker, just another, you know, quiet, Quiet night for him, but doing all the little things that he needs to do out there on the court. You know, another really solid game defensively. Hit two of three from behind the arc. I would still love it if P.J. Tucker would actually shoot some more three-pointers. And it just, you know, it feels like 
he's he's so reluctant to shoot from anywhere around the arc that isn't in one of the corners and that's uh, that's really my only gripe with Tucker is just if he was a little bit more comfortable shooting at the top of the key or out of the slots just you know, I feel like the Rockets' offense could be a little bit more dynamic, but because he's largely only going to shoot out of the corners, and even then, he's a bit hesitant sometimes. Those are my only gripes from PJ. Another great outing for him. Drew that charge near the end of the game that, you know, absolutely got the entire Rockets bench hyped up and, you know, helped secure the W. So PJ always doing the dirty work for this club. The tuck wagon, got to put some respect on his name. The Rockets' bench players. You know, 33 combined bench points from Jeff Green, Ben McLemore, and Austin Rivers. I think they got an adequate, if not slightly above average, production out of everybody from their bench. Um, combined, the entire bench unit shot 6 of 12 from behind the arc, so 50% shooting there. A big chunk of that was Ben McLemore as Jeff Green went 1 of 4 and Austin Rivers went 1 of 4. Benny Mack and Threes went 4 of 4 from behind the arc. They all shot, you know, roughly the same. They all actually made four shots apiece um, on slightly different uh, volumes. But really, some really good spot minutes there. Now, I will say that it was a little mm, disappointing that in the very first game of the season, the starters all had to play 40-plus minutes, but that's te- that's what tends to happen when you have an overtime period like that. Now, I will say that I was legitimately shocked that we didn't get more Ben McLemore action in the second and third quarters than what we did get because of the just double-teaming that the Mavericks were doing against James Harden because if you'll remember, one of the worst games as far as double teaming went, I say worst just because of how frequently they use the double teams, was against the Toronto Raptors on the road. And that game, Ben McLemore had posted his season high, I think it was, of 28 points, had like eight three-pointers in that one. And he was absolutely the quote-unquote zone buster for the Harden double teams because every time Harden passed out of a double team, it was either to Russ, who was then going to attack the basket 4v3, or it was to Ben McLemore, who was able to just step directly into a wide-open three-point shot. And I really was surprised that we didn't get more of him, especially because he was 4-4 from behind the arc. Now, he did foul out of the game, so I feel like had he not fouled out, he would have gotten a bit more run in that second half. But really, those are the situations where it's like, okay, yes, the defense is struggling a bit, but you have to keep the offense rolling just to be able to keep putting points on the board to keep up with the Mavericks because at some point, you had to think throughout the game as you're, you know, getting towards the final frame, the final quarter, you have to think, okay, the Mavericks are going, their shooting is going to regress at some point because through three quarters, they've shot almost 60% from behind the arc. Eventually, the numbers will come back down and that's exactly what happened. And so the stretches where they did use Ben McLemore, the 12, sorry, the 13 points he had off the bench because he did also hit a free throw. Um, those were, you know, crucial just to keep themselves in the game. And that was something that I think we've seen at times from this organization is they fall behind or they dig themselves into a hole and they start hanging their heads and they did not do that for one second in this game. They did not hang their heads. They did not give up. They kept plugging away offensively and that's what kept them within striking distance the entire game until finally with, what was it, uh, 41 seconds left in regulation, the Rockets were down seven. 
James Harden hits a three, cuts it to four. They go back and forth a few more times. James Harden gets fouled down the stretch, and that's when we have the incredible tip-in by Robert Covington to tie the game at 139 after James Harden hit the very first of two free throws. So, And then we get to overtime, and the Rockets were able to not coast in overtime as the Mavericks took a... uh, a two-point lead off of what could have been a four-point swing because, regrettably, Russell Westbrook missed his very first shot attempt in overtime, kind of hung the ball right there on the front of the front iron on a you know potential little finger roll, and then the Mavericks came back down and scored a bucket on the other end. So it was a very rough four-point swing to start things off in overtime, but sooner than later, you know, sooner rather than later, the Rockets then got back into it. They took the lead, and that was all she wrote. So I did kind of leave the other uh, two guys in the dark from the bench area, Jeff Green, Austin Rivers, both had some really great moments in this game. Um, it really felt like Jeff Green was doing filling his role properly. Austin Rivers as well looked great in the minutes that he was out there. I, you know, I just, I really wish we had gotten a look at Damari Carroll because moving forward, I do not want to see Mike D'Antoni running this eight-man rotation until Eric Gordon gets back because that is going to be a surefire way to put too much stress on the starters and not enough on the bench players because we're looking at the minutes totals tonight. Jeff Green played 20 minutes. Ben McLemore played 14. Yes, he fouled out. And then Austin Rivers played 20 minutes. That's just not enough. I feel like there needs to be another 10 to 15 minutes from the bench guys, and that that 10 to 15 minutes could be Damari Carroll. You know, just give him a solid 10 to 15 minutes an evening or, you know, up Ben's minutes just a little bit and then give Carroll the the flat 10 minutes or something. But I feel like they have to start including him moving forward. And I'm still a little confused in this one as to, you know, the struggles were all defensive. So I'm confused as to why they didn't take a look at him. And, you know, moving forward, I hope he does get legitimate minutes. So I think that that's kind of where I'm at with this. Oh, no, there was one major point that I wanted to hit on. Almost forgot it. I got my notes right in front of me, and I almost missed it. There was a point where, and it was in tail end of the fourth quarter, where James Harden made this like bounce pass towards Russ, and it was a really bad pass, like through like almost what was like three defenders because it was the double team on Harden, and then I believe it was Porzingis who had picked up. It was either Porzingis or Maxi Kleber uh, who had picked up uh, Russ like in the paint as he was rolling from that that pass that Harden usually kind of bounce passes towards Russ out of the double team. And it was a really bad pass. And a few moments later on the camera, we saw Harden and Russ kind of arguing about that. And I don't know, and we've seen this dynamic before between these two guys. And maybe it's just a different dynamic than what James Harden and Chris Paul shared because there were plenty of times where Chris would, you know, pardon me, where Chris would... Get at James, you know, get at James, and you know, get on his ass about, hey, that was a bad pass, or hey, pick it up on defense, or this, that, and the other thing. And maybe it's just a because their relationships are so drastically different. Because Chris Paul and James Harden share a professional relationship, whereas James Harden and Russell Westbrook have more of a personal relationship since they've known each other since they were so young, that kind of thing. But when Russ has gotten in on James Harden about whatever's going on or vice versa when James has had to kind of pull back Russ you know when he's you know barking at the other bench or something like that it just feels like their relationship is a bit more open with the lines of communication than that of Chris Paul and James Harden was and specifically after this one after they kind of you know were bickering at each other for a minute there on camera 
The next play down, James did the exact same pass, but it was much cleaner this time, led to a Westbrook bucket, I believe. And then he also had two back-to-back really strong drives to the basket after getting kind of chewed out by Russ. And so that's the kind of thing where it's just the level of leadership that Russ brings by balancing out James Harden. So, you know, yes, Harden is the leader of this team. Yes, he's the franchise guy. But having somebody behind him, having somebody, or not behind him, next to him, somebody, his running mate, having somebody who can call him out on stuff and it not end in a feud or a fight. You know, you can think back to the the Dwight Howard days where Dwight and James never discussed anything. They just both, you know, quietly sulked because James is not a confrontational type guy. And so Dwight also was not a confrontational type guy. And then Chris Paul was maybe a little bit too confrontational at times for James's taste. But I feel like Russ has just filled that role perfectly of being the guy who isn't afraid of ever, of everybody on the roster to go to James and say, hey, you need to pick it up, man. You're our guy. You need to pick this up. You need to lead us you know, to the W. You need to take over down the stretch. Whatever, whatever he's saying, whatever discussions they're having, you know, I think that it's something that wasn't there with Dwight or with Chris Paul, and it's nice to see it there with Russell Westbrook and how close they are in their relationship off the court as well as on the court. So that was my final point that I wanted to make out of all my notes. But all I can say is it is, I have coughed four times in this podcast, and I am so terribly sorry. That never happens. Anyways, all I can say is thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done.